It's always interesting to follow Tom because you never know where he's going with what he's doing. <laughs> so I'm not going to try and, and make any kind of bridges or transitions here. <laughs> Being in the wilderness obviously is one of those places we have, uh, that we find ourselves in our lives. Uh, sometimes metaphorically, it stands for that which we feel inside, deserted, isolated, and alone. Oftentimes, it can also be the outward circumstances where we are in poverty, depleted of resources, and we feel as if we don't know where to turn. Um, today, I want to direct our attention for the few moments that uh, we have to the scriptures and particularly to one particular book. There's one particular book of the Bible that is unique. And no other book is composed solely of prayers and hymns as the book of the Psalms. We also call it the Psalter. The Psalms were and are the ancient prayer book of the Hebrews and also the prayer book that was a part of our Lord's life, especially on his way to the cross. Also, in our own tradition, in the Reformed tradition, the Psalms have been a staple diet for our worship. In John Calvin's introduction to the Psalms, he writes out of his own experience of being among a group of hunted down refugees. He describes the Psalms as this, in a wonderful way, as an anatomy of all parts of the soul. For here the Holy Spirit has drawn together all griefs, sorrows, fears, doubts, hopes, cares, perplexities with which the human mind and heart is wont to be agitated. The Psalms are a unique part of the Bible. They are our sacred language, and we have them, and we need them for traveling through the wilderness. For when we are destitute, when we're disoriented, when we're discouraged and feeling like we want to die, and there's no words that we have, we have this sacred language to redirect us and provide a refuge that enables us to go on. So let us turn to a particular psalm that I've chosen, which is Psalm 13 for this morning's scripture reading. We're going to read this aloud together in three segments. Uh, I've chosen a translation that I think best fits the Hebrew feeling and tone so that we can have this uh, experience in a sense. It comes from the, the New English translation of the Bible. So we will read each section aloud and then we will have some time for silence, uh, to just let that silence speak to us of what we have just heard out and read out loud. And then at the end, we will do our regular, this is the word of the Lord. Psalm 13. Join me. How long, O Lord, will you continue to ignore me? How long will you pay no attention to me? How long must I worry and suffer in broad daylight? How long will my enemy gloat over me? Lord, bless these words to us. Join me. Look at me, answer me, O Lord my God. Revive me, 
or else I will die. Then my enemy will say, I have defeated him. Then my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Lord, bless these words to us. Join me. But I trust in your faithfulness. May I rejoice because of your deliverance. I will sing praises to the Lord when he vindicates me. This is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, may these words become for us rich bread of heaven. Create a space now where we can find refuge as we pass through the wilderness and the desolate places of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So I have this structured out. It's all Trinitarian today, folks, up and down the list. Three parts to, this, to, the, to, this, to, the, to the scripture. I have three notes, and then I have three stages, and then we go home. That's what it is. The first note, let us be honest that in the wilderness, when we are wandering, it is hard to pray. Even sometimes we can't pray at all, right? Let us be honest and admit that this is a truth. But the Psalms remind us this, that we do not need and do not have to pray alone. We have words here that have been given to us throughout the ages to help us come before God when everything within us is inarticulate. The second note is that the sacred language of the Psalms, like today's text, Psalm 13, is a language that orients us toward the presence of God. And that is how I'm using the word sacred in terms of sacred language. It is language that orients us and redirects us even in our disorientation toward God. Uh, As such, it gives a context for understanding the wilderness and additionally provides a movement, which we'll look at in stages, through that wilderness, even if the wilderness seems to go on and on and on and on and our circumstances don't change. In Psalm 13, we have something, and this is also in other Psalms, you have something interesting here that continues to show up. You have the person who's giving testimony. Let's call that person the testifier. The testifier is saying, I am lost. How long, O Lord? I am in lament. God seems distant, apparently so, and unresponsive to the needs of the person who's testifying. And yet, While distant, God is the witness to what the person is testifying to. So when we are in the wilderness and we are in this place, we are called to a place to testify out, to speak out that which is honest from within us, even our hurts and our pains. For God witnesses to this, even though we may sense that God is distant in that that witness. The third note, there's a movement here in this psalm Um, which also I think can be seen as a progressive process of how we work out our way in the wilderness even when the wilderness might not go away. And that is this, that there are these these stages within this psalm uh, that move us through. Uh, The first stage being a lament, a longing, um, almost inarticulate, 
um, deep questions. How long, O Lord? That then moves to, in the second uh, set of verses, the petition uh, that is quick and sharp and open and honest and from the heart. And then there's the third stage of trust. And oftentimes, I want to get to the place of stage of trust where everything's great and I'm back to normal, at least internally, and yet I haven't gone through those other stages. So let's look at them very briefly. In the first two verses, you have this testimony of lament and longing before the witness, God, who may appear to be distant or felt to be distant. But this is where the sacred work of the sacred language begins, when we question God out of that raw, hard place. He says four times how long. Think about this. God, he's saying to God, you know, are you ever going to pay attention to me again? You know, you created me. You got me here. I'm in this life. Are you ever going to pay attention to me again? And must I continue to wear, wear out my heart with worry over this? Yes, I'd really like to be in another place, but I can't get out of there because my consciousness is tied down to this spot. And then again, my foe, my enemy, will they continue to gloat over me? So this first stage is just coming to just letting it out if you can let it out. But you're not simply letting out your own feelings. You're letting them out before the presence of God. How long, O oh Lord? The premise is that God is faithful to God's promises. And there's a reason why I'm here saying how long. I'm saying you are faithful. Where are you? I'm here. I am in need. That's the first stage. The second, though, is these next two verses where, where you see this testimony turns into a staccato-like set of petitions that are characterized by urgency. You see, there's no more question marks. The question marks have turned into exclamation marks. Look at me. Answer me. Revive me. Now think of of, of, of what the force of those words. Uh, I joked with Tom a little bit earlier this week because I said the NRSV does a horrible job with this psalm at this point because it's like, it's like, Lord, consider me. And I thought, you know, great. Lord, consider me. If you don't consider me, that's okay. I'm just kind of here. I'm in the wilderness, you know. When you're at the point at which the sacred is alive in you, you're feeling pain. And you say, look, answer me. How often our piety is so conventional and so, you know, evened out that we don't go here. Look at me, answer me, and then revive me, which is a very interesting calling out. He's, it's really saying, give me my life back. The wilderness has taken it from me. Give me the vitality of what it means to be a follower of you again. I can't see that way. The last stage is in verses 5 and 6, which you see the petition moves to a song of trust. And I'll say in a minute why I find this so hard to accept, but that, I'll, I'll get there in a second. This trust in God views past mercies and God's bountiful care as providing assurance for a not yet future, but with a certain amount of trust. The sacred language truly does not give us conclusions, but it does invite us and call us to redirect our confidence, not to the circumstances changing, but to the God who doesn't change, right? 
That's like one of the hardest lessons to really learn because circumstances and situations are so demanding in the way and internally oftentimes the, our own voice is so much stronger than the voice of trust. Which is oftentimes why we have to come to a place of silence. Where Laura led us last week, that place of silence where we can really hear because we got so much going on. But it is surprising in verses 5 and 6. I trust. I rejoice. I will sing. The play of tenses here is quite interesting because you have this sense in which God's been bountiful and trustworthy in the past. But the present seems very painful. And yet there's trust that is taken up in confidence moving towards the future. So we see here a progression from lament to petition to trust. This movement does not move quickly but slowly. Oftentimes we read the Psalms and we're deceived a little bit because we think, oh, I should be there by the time I should end the, reading the Psalm. Yeah, right. That's not how it works. No, it's not how it works. There's a big difference between reading the Psalms and living them. Reading is only the beginning, and the wilderness requires more. In my experience, in my experience, it takes me a while to learn to truly cry and lament before I can even begin to articulate what it is I'm asking God for when I'm in the wilderness. And the same rule goes for the movement from petition to trust. Months can go by between verses 4 and verses 5 and 6, but this does not mean that we need to lose hope, for there is another form of support that is available to us, and that is reading these psalms in the company of other people whom we trust and who are safe for us. And I'd like to tell you a story. <clears throat> Dr. Serene Jones, who is the president of Union Theological Seminary in New York, has written a book a few years ago, very insightful, called Trauma and Grace. In this book, she brings together the human experience of trauma and the reality of divine grace, looking at it from several different uh, aspects. One of, one of which is using the Psalms in the process of helping someone move from articulate cries of pain and silence to the place of actually finding sacred language to then reset and redirect the trauma, the trauma of an impacted person to begin to feel alive again, even in that situation. And in chapter 2, she tells the story of a young woman, 14 years old. Her name uh, is Letitia. And Letitia was part of a congregation that uh, Dr. Jones was involved with uh, in Connecticut, providing pastoral leadership and care. Letitia was walking home from school one day and unexpectedly witnessed a drive-by shooting where a young man was killed. Uh, she was the only eyewitness and was deeply traumatized by this. She agreed to, uh, to, be the, uh, to be the witness in court, of which she was the only one, and then have to relive the shock of this, uh, which is obviously something that a 14-year-old uh, should never have to do. Uh, to add a little bit of the difficulty in the situation, her mother was not in a place to support her uh, emotionally in any way. Um, but, and here is the gift of the local congregation, my friends. Um, in this church was a small group of women who surrounded Letitia uh, with support and prayer, taking her to therapy sessions. They sat with her at the courthouse. 
They actively listened to her talk about the original event, what happened, and the inner battle that she continued to have with this, uh, with this trauma. And so in this, this group of women invited Serene to come in and provide some pastoral guidance and leadership. And what she did was uh, somewhat surprising, some would think, is she brought in two books. She brought in the book of Psalms, and she brought in John Calvin's commentary on those Psalms. Uh, you'd never think John Calvin, because most of us think of John Calvin, we think probably one of the most austere, you know, he's, he's, he's ten, 10 steps removed from me and Tom, you know, in terms of austerity or whatever. But, but, um, but she did because his commentaries in the Psalms are very different than some of his other writings. Uh, Calvin himself was a refugee. Uh, he preached and taught and led among refugees in France, people who died, who were betrayed. Um, and that comes out in these Psalms. But she brought that in. And what happened here was um, an opening up that the scriptures became for Letitia and these women the place, these psalms became the place where life was put back together. Um, and it didn't all turn out all right. Uh, you have to read her book to, to read more about the story because I don't, I don't have the time to go into the story. But, but here is that here sacred language becomes the hope of moving forward in the wilderness. And it reminds us that if the Psalms provide us the sacred language so that we don't have to pray alone, the community of faith in small groups can provide the sacred and safe space to process the pain of being in the wilderness through the use and reflection on sacred scripture. Word, spirit, and community, all these connect and are needed to find refuge in the wilderness. Now, um, you know, we live, we live in a very polished, informed, and accomplished communities we come from. But we should not be fooled. We are really unfinished products of an unfinished performance. That is just a fancy way of me saying that none of us ever will have it all together. And each of us has our wilderness in which we long to be found, uh, seen, and known, and prayed with, and prayed for. And so we need the sacred language of the Psalms. The Psalms nourished the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, especially on the way to Jerusalem and the events of Holy Week. The words of the Psalms were found on his lips as he perished in the face of his enemies. So I would say that the Psalms are the sacred language that we need for the wilderness and I encourage us to make use of them, to pray them and to chant them um, and, to, and to do it with others as well. The late poet Donald Sheehan spent a lifetime teaching on, on Robert Frost, but he also did a lot of something else in his lifetime, and that was to translate the Psalms. And in his uh, reflections in one of his books as a translator, um, he says this about spending time with the sacred language of the Psalms. He said, anyone who has spent a long time in the Psalms can understand truly their primal quality, strength. They can bear the whole weight of one's life. In the same instant, they can go on carrying the weight of countless millions of all ages who have prayed them before. 
Dear brothers and sisters and siblings in Christ, may our laments and our longings in the wilderness be sacred, made sacred by this language. May our deepest discovered petitions become honest, and may we find a way to sing sacred songs with ordinary words in difficult spaces, and may it be so by the very mercy of God. Amen.